But I come this morning in the same way, and I'm going to give you what's in my heart connected to this same message. We started this two-week focus on the new covenant, and Pastor Nathan laid it out so, so systematically and, and full for us to see. And I want us to, he and I discussed us, as I bring this forward and say, then how do we live this out? If we have a new covenant relationship with God, what does it look like? How do we go forward with it into the fullness that God intended for us? Pastor Nathan introduced the new covenant, and he talked about the word covenant, and he defined it. He, he used the definition that it's an exchange of agreements between two parties. It's individually binding. It involves uh, witnesses to the covenant. It involves at times curses when you don't keep the covenant. It involves blessings for keeping the covenant. And he outlined these from God's purpose and plan from, from the, all throughout history, from the beginning of time. And as Pastor Nathan started to unfold this topic, he said, but there's a goal behind a covenant with God. Do you remember what the goal is? The goal is restored relationship with God. A restored relationship between us and God. That was God's purpose and intent with establishing covenants. Now, we know we can make covenants with different people, one another. Uh, we make commitments with one another. Uh, we do it in lots of variety of different ways. Uh, sometimes we do it by just uh, shaking hands, right? We say, hey, I commit this to you as well, and we'll shake on it. If we're real serious, we'll spit and shake on it, right? When we were little kids, we thought it was more important to have a blood touch. So maybe if we cut ourselves in our blood touches, then that'll be a real pact and commitment that we've made together. We see lots of these different aspects in God's covenant commitment to us. Because he was real serious. He was all in. He gave all of himself because he wanted all of you. He wanted all of us. And so as we come to this understanding that a covenant between us and God at any time throughout history, was so that we could be in relationship with him. I'm hoping the light continues to shine brighter in your understanding and say, oh, I get it. I want to walk this out. We're going to look at the diagram that Pastor Nathan uh, put up on the whiteboard for us last week. He also made a slide for us. This is his handiwork as well. And I want to go back and review the aspects of it this morning, because some of you maybe weren't here last Sunday. Or maybe you haven't been working on memorizing it all week. I don't know. But uh, bring it back before us because it's good to have this reminder. And that's exactly what somebody said to me in the foyer last Sunday after they heard this message. They said, you know, I, I knew it all. Like it's familiar and I've studied it. But the reminder is so good to be brought back before me. So let this be a reminder and let it be a, a motivator that leads us forward this morning. We see in this that Nathan started to unpack that God in the beginning desired to have relationship with mankind. He created Adam and Eve. And he was all in for relationship. And he created a covenant relationship with Adam and Eve. And actually when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, when Adam and Eve went their own way, made their own decision that they were going to live how they thought was right, God still made a covenant with them and redeemed them and said, I will now make you, Adam, the seed to crush the serpent. And you knew that man would have victory over Satan, over the enemy. 
But as time went on, mankind lived however they wanted to live and did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And you read up to the days in the time of Noah, and there was evil filling the earth. People were doing all kinds of evil activities. So God said, I'm going to save a remnant out of this people. I'm going to put Noah and his wife and their kids and spouses in the ark, and I will save them from all the evil that's here, and I'm going to wipe out the rest of humanity. But God made a covenant with Noah, and he said, I'm not going to do that again. I want you to recognize how serious I am. Then we come to the time of Abraham. And through Abraham, God made a promise that you will be the father of many nations. You will have many, as many as the sands on the sand on the seashore, as many as the stars in the sky, Abraham. You are going to have that many generations following after you. And he made a covenant promise with Abraham that Abraham would be the one whom he poured blessing through. Now, as we know, between Abraham had his son Isaac. Isaac tried to fulfill things and make things happen in and of his own way quicker. And then Isaac's son was Jacob, who later became known, named Israel. And Israel, or Jacob formerly, had 12 sons. And they represent the, the sons or the tribes of Israel. And then the nation began to grow in, in, in great numbers. And so God said, I need to establish relationship, a way of doing relationship together with being your God, and I want you to be my people. And so he put some laws in place. The, old, the, um, the Ten Commandments and the, the instructions and commands for people how to live in order to be in relationship with God. He told them about the tent of meeting and gave them the design for how to create a place where he could come and reside in their community, in their camp, but they could still do relationship with him. It, began, it became known as the tabernacle or the meeting place of, of God. And then he set a, an order in place of priests, representatives, who would come on behalf of the people and offer their sacrifices to God so that their sins could be forgiven. And so the priests were then set, the Levitical order was set in place. And they were to offer sacrifice. And there was thousands of sacrifice because the sacrifice on an altar that was of an animal was temporary. It was only for the moment of the sin you had committed. And so that was part of the establishment that God had said, this is how we're going to do relationship together. Because I am a holy God. And if you keep walking in sin, you need to have your sin paid for. Well, then came the time period of David and the kings. Before David was the second king of Israel, you remember Saul was the first king. And the time period of what happened here was God's people, though they knew he was their God, they said, but God, we want to be like everybody else. Uh, we don't want people looking at us as if we're kind of some spiritual fanatics. Uh, they think we're weird already because we say we have a God, but we can't show them the God we serve. They have their gods formed out of wood and out of iron and out of metals, and, and yet we don't have, so they call us fanatical. So why can't we just look like everyone else, God? Give us an earthly king, and then we won't look as crazy. And so through Samuel, God instructed to anoint Saul as king. After Saul, the anointed one was David. And David was, was the king who was known in the lineage that Christ would be born through. But as you heard this message last Sunday, Pastor Nathan said, the goal is relationship, but the problem is that the old covenant, all of these relationships and the establishment of how to do relationship and how to do life with God, 
they would not solve the problem of sin in the human heart. Any, any solution they brought was temporary. It was not long-lasting. We'd be right back in the same situation and turmoil as we were the day before. And so that's when God said, then let me introduce you to my son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is going to be the one time, all time, for everyone, for all things, to redeem us and restore us back in relationship with the Father again. And when we introduce Jesus, then we come to the new covenant. That's what we just talked about when we celebrated communion here this morning. Jesus himself said it. The Father is establishing a new covenant in my blood, he was saying to the people. And now we are... 2,000 years into it, saying, oh my goodness, God, what a plan you had. And when Nathan was speaking out this message last Sunday, and he began to tie all the pieces of the old covenant are fulfilled in Jesus, I was just like, he's going to drop the mic right here. Like, just that truth just landed so clearly. When you look at what God had promised and tried to do throughout history with his people, he now fulfills it through Jesus Christ. And you and I now have the incredible opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus and experience the fulfillment of what God intended for us as his people. Does that excite you? I know I get excited. I truly do get stirred by, God, thank you for this. But then I respond and I say, oh, how are we supposed to live out this new covenant? God, I I get some of the old ways and I kind of want to slip back into the old patterns of doing things. Because with Jesus, it almost seems too easy. It almost seems too simple. The old covenant, we were to fulfill it by fulfilling the laws, by being obedient to the laws that were given. The new covenant invites us into a relationship with Jesus through faith. Through faith. Through believing and saying, yes, God, I believe that your son is the eternal way, is the one who will change my heart, is the one, the difference maker. Now, as you are sitting here this morning and you hear me unpack this and you hear me talking about old covenants and new covenants and you're looking at all these arrows and circles and saying, man, this is just way too confusing. (laughs) I want you to stay with me because what's found in this new relationship with God is freedom for you, is life for you, is for you to experience greater love, not just once in your lifetime, but every day that you wake up and breathe, for you to experience that there's a loving God who has life for you. The focus again is relationship. God did all this to restore relationship with us. He wants to be in relationship with you. Not on a once a week basis, not on a once a year basis at Easter. He wants a relationship with you every day of your life. That's how much he values you. And so I come to this message then and say, then God, how do we walk this out? How do we walk out this new covenant? If the old covenant was about keep the law, keep the law, keep the law, the new covenant is established in faith and what relationship, then Lord, show us how do we walk this out with you? Because what the old covenant left us powerless to accomplish in and of our own ability We would be left with the thought and feeling in the Old Covenant that I keep trying and I'm trying and I'm trying, but I keep messing up and I messed up and I messed up. And then when we come to the New Covenant, what we learn is we can be empowered by the grace of Jesus Christ 
to make life possible to live in relationship with him every day. There's a whole lot of talk going around this last week and these last two weekends about superheroes. Some of you know why that talk's going around. There's conversations that are happening, not just at the movie theaters, but in different places in hallways. Have you seen the trailer? No, don't show me the trailer because I want to see the movie. And, And there's lots of discussions about if you were a superhero, what kind of superpower would you like, you know? Would it be x-ray vision? Would it be ability to fly? What, what would it be? Well, I'm here to tell you that you have been given a supernatural power, which is God's grace that will transform your life. Do you believe that? There is something that goes way outside of this universe, way beyond what movies and television can capture, and it is the grace of God that will empower and change you every day. Do you know the grace of God like I'm describing this morning? Because the grace of God is truly the end game of all time. That's what I'm giving you. Yeah, believe it. But before I have any more students rolling their eyes at me, because I'm trying to stretch this into end game, let me tell you what this message is about. How do we live the new covenant? I want to talk to you about our tendencies this morning, how we can slip into our default patterns very easily. I want to give you an example of somebody who lived the old covenant emphatically, but still came up empty. And it wasn't until Jesus transformed his life that his life then took off. And then the third aspect I'm going to tie us into this morning is then let's go and live by the faith that God called us to, to experience the fullness of this new covenant relationship. Are you ready? Buckle up. (laughs) We're going to get going here. Yeah. Let me talk about our tendencies. Our tendency is to interpret and make our understanding shaped around what our senses tell us and what we've experienced in life. Like if I see it a certain way, if I smell it a certain way, and I taste it a certain way, then it's got to be this way. And we say, then that's got to be reality because my senses tell me that that's reality. Or in the aspect of our experience, well, I hear what you're telling me about how you've experienced God, but I haven't experienced God like that. So God can't be the way you're describing because my experience was nowhere like that. And we start to define and narrow down and say, this must be the reality and the truth based on what I experience and what I sense. Do you remember what King Solomon said? Do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways. Because if we start to rely on our own abilities and interpretations, We can fall far short. Solomon learned that as well. But we perceive so much based on just our experience and our shape, and we even tend to evaluate God like this. We look at him and say, well, I'm not sure that his way is the best way because I'd like it to be this way. And maybe, God, if you could comply to me in this way, then I could be okay with you. And we evaluate God and and we think, no, a loving God surely wouldn't do that. Because if a loving God did that, then I don't want to be any part of that God. And I hear this often, the stretch and challenge comes in people when their emotions are heightened. Sometimes it's at the setting of of an unexpected death. And the heart is hurting and torn apart and, and they're trying to make sense of it. And it's hard to make sense of things when our emotions are so stirred. And in that moment, we want to just look at God and say, but why, why, why have you 
taken him away? Why have you done this to my marriage? Why? And we want to point fingers at God. And in that moment, I encourage people to pause. Hold on a second. Yeah, let's go to God. But God, let's ask God, what now, God? What's going on? Make sense of this. If you are the God of all understanding, the God of life, then I need you to speak into this moment. And when you make sense of it, all my whys will begin to be answered. But we come to God out of our experience and out of our demands, and then we think he doesn't measure up. It's more our expectations that are unrealistic with him. So let's look back at this diagram again and see how our tendency often lands and where it comes from. As you look at the diagram, you'll see the, the aspect of Adam and our relationship with Adam was, or God's relationship with Adam right at the very beginning, and it's not coming up on screen because I didn't put it this way in my notes and I didn't do this way in first service, so bless you guys, just relax, it's okay. I'll just point to the screen. And from Adam, we get this aspect that we, it's not our fault. Somebody's got to be responsible, but it's not me. And we begin to blame somebody else for what's going on in our life, our situation. Think back to Adam in the aspect that when God said to him, did you do this? Did you eat what I told you not to? And he said, uh, it was her. She made me do it. And then what did Eve say? Oh, it was a serpent. The serpent made me do it. And so our tendency is to fall back into these old patterns again and begin to blame when situations go sideways. Or we come to Noah and that whole aspect of saying, now a loving God would never wipe out that many people. Surely he can't be the one true God. And we begin to define and accuse God of not being enough. Or we come to Abraham and we say, why did Abraham get all the blessing? What about me? That's not fair that Abraham gets it all. I, I need some blessing. And you can see our default tendencies to slip back into old patterns. Or we look at Israel as a nation. And we've got lots of tendencies here to say, oh, it's the building. If we just make this building as beautiful and as close to what heaven looks like, then we're going to be closer to God than any other church in KW. Because that's the we'll call it a tabernacle as well, right? Whatever it is. And we think that if we just, our tendency is to slip back in. And if we can form it in our man-made intelligence, woman-made intelligence, then I'm sure God's going to find it acceptable and, and he's just going to be so proud of us. That's our tendency to slip back into the patterns. But with the coming of Jesus and Jesus fulfilling all of that and Jesus saying, I am the way to the Father, then what it's all about again is relationship and us coming back to relationship with Jesus. Let me give you the example of one who had to learn it a bit of the hard way. Acts chapter 8, if you want to land here with me. Acts chapter 8 and 9. I want to talk for a moment about Saul of Tarsus. And I'm doing a lot of skimming throughout scripture and history and references, but I would encourage you to read these chapters. Be familiar with them yourself. If you think I'm making it up, then you definitely have a reason to go read it. But I want you to see it for real time what's here. There was one man, his name is Saul of Tarsus, and he tried to live out the old covenant to the extreme. Today he would be called an extremist or a fundamentalist. Like he was so radically bent on living out God's ways throughout history that nothing would stop him from enforcing it upon other people around him. 
when we come to Saul, his own testimony about himself. He described himself to the church that was in Philippi in Philippians chapter 3. And he said, this is how devote and committed I was to the old covenant. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. My parents saw it as important. Eighth day after my birth, they took me to be circumcised so that I could be all in to God's covenant. He said, of the people of Israel, my people, my family comes from the tribe of Benjamin. He could trace Saul, could trace his roots right back to the tribe of Benjamin because he knew that was important because Benjamin's great-great-grandfather was Abraham. And blessing flows from Abraham, and so I'm all in because this is my family line. Saul continued to say he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He, it was a, when it came to the law, he was a Pharisee. He was an enforcer is what Pharisees were. As for zeal, nothing could hold him back. He was going to persecute. He was going to hunt down. He was going to have people killed who, who believed anything else but the old covenant. This is what Saul was about. If you read chapter 8, it says he was holding the coats of people who were there and executing Stephen, who had given his life to Jesus Christ. Saul was right there saying, give it to him. May nobody speak about that name, Jesus. He was on his way to destroy more churches. In chapter 9, we read that he was still uttering out, breathing out murderous threats at anyone who would deviate from the old covenant and say that there's a replacement of that. In chapter 9, you can land at verse 3. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and a voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Jesus said three things here. Two sentences maybe, but three things. He got a hold of Saul and he said, Saul, <laughs> you don't think I exist? You don't think I am resurrected? Why are you persecuting me? He got his attention. He said his name twice. Sometimes we need to hear a name called twice, don't we? He said his name twice to get his attention. He said, I am Jesus. He introduced himself. The one you're persecuting, that's me. And then he said, now, now that you know that you're like, in between those two phrases, Saul's understanding. He didn't, he was not a doubter anymore. All of a sudden he knew the son of God had come and his name was Jesus. And Jesus said, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. Those three sentence statements, those two sentences transformed Saul's life forever. Transformed him in such a way, even his name changed from Saul to Paul. And you can read, and I encourage you to read how his life was transformed by Jesus, because Saul went about after this telling people that Jesus Christ truly is the Messiah. Can you imagine the mission and the challenge that Paul now had to do? Because yesterday he said, don't believe him. Today he's saying, believe him. <laughs> can you imagine how people were just like, who is this guy? He's nuts. But the Holy Spirit through Paul made his preaching so powerful and convincing that day after day people were giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Because they said, I believe, they said, if God can do that with that man, imagine what he can do with me. He said, I want to follow this truth, this Savior, this Lord. And so Saul's life was transformed. 
transformed in such a significant way that everything he bragged and boasted about before, he said it's like trash now compared to the relationship I'm experiencing with Jesus. Listen as I read from Philippians 3, Paul's own words about his faith relationship and see if it lands with you in your faith relationship. This is how Paul described himself now. He said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider it lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul was saying there's nothing, friends. There's nothing, folks. Nothing, nothing. And remember, he's saying it out of an elite position that he had in this world. He was of the elitist. He was of the closest to heaven that you could get, in his mind, and many of the people's minds. But he said it's nothing compared to doing relationship with Jesus every day. Jesus transformed Paul's heart. Has Jesus fully transformed your heart, your life, your faith, your walk with God? He went from being an old covenant pursuer to being a new covenant Jesus relationship. That same thing is available for every one of us. And so thirdly in the message this morning, then I call us to live by faith. To live by faith like we hear and see Paul doing it. Live this relationship with God by faith. Be mindful of your tendencies. Recognize the, the example of transformation and then embrace that and walk it out in your own life. And I'm going to talk to us about how then do we walk this out. The easy illustration that I find right away and that God just planted on my heart as I, as I was praying this message through was in a similar way of my relationship with my wife, Rebecca. She's my best friend. The way for me to get to know her every day is to reach out and hold her hand and to listen to her heart. Now, I don't mean the beating of her heart. I mean listening to what her heart is communicating to me. And when I reach out and take her hand every day, and sometimes we say that, we just need to be close. We just need to touch each other. It's because then there's a connection that can happen and a communication that starts. And when I start to listen to her heart, then I get to know what's inside of her. Friends, I believe God invites us to do the same thing with him. Every day I reach out for his hand and listen for his heart. Say, God, I want to do life with you today. I want to connect today. Speak your heart to me. Let me hear your heart. Because I don't want to slip into the tendencies of yesterday. I want to live out the fresh newness of today. And so what I invite us then into is what Nathan highlighted in the summary of his message last week. Was with the new covenant through Jesus, we have a new heart. We have the opportunity to know God in a deeper way. 
And we can walk in the reality that sin has been fully removed and dealt with. Living this new covenant with a new heart, what does it look like? What does it mean? What should it be about? What should you be experiencing? Well, things like this. You can sense the love of God because you're talking to him and he's sharing his love with you. He's telling you something deep inside of you that you need to hear. He's, it's a whisper. It's a confirmation. It's something where you just don't feel condemned. You feel accepted. You don't feel like you need to make yourself worthy. You know that he sees you as worthy. I remember this past week I was wrestling through something in prayer. It was a, it was a thought. It was a statement I made to somebody. And I'm like, I could tell just it landed and it hurt them. I could see the expression on their face change and the different shades of emotion going through their face. And I'm like, oh, that didn't land the way I wanted it to. And I was praying, I tried to reconcile the best I could in the moment. And, but that night I still wasn't settled with peace. And I wrestled through my sleep and I prayed. And in the morning I woke up and it was just like Jesus, the Father spoke to me about Jesus in that moment. And he said, I led Jesus how to do relationships. I'll lead you as well. There was no condemnation from my father in heaven. It wasn't like, Brian, you screwed up yesterday. I'm going to make this, you suffer today. He said, no, I'm going to show you how, son. We're going to do it today. And that just made me reach out and take his hand and say, thank you, father. Let's do it today together. When you have a new heart because of your faith in Christ, then what comes to you more quickly is a desire to forgive rather than, oh, I have to do it. It's in the good book and no, I'm going to be expensive. No, 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 something stirs in you and you're like, oh God, I just, I want to love them like you love. Show me, give me your grace to love them the way you love them. When your heart is made new, you recognize that it's God who makes you holy. No amount of sacrificing, no tabernacle that you could enter, no anything from the old way, nothing. It's Christ who makes you holy and acceptable in the Father's sight. So with your new heart, your new heart, I heard you then to live out this new relationship, this new covenant that we have through Christ. You can know God in a more personal, intimate way as well. Of course you're going to because as reaching out and holding his hand, he's going to teach you things because he knows that he has your attention. He knows you want to learn and receive today. And so he's going to speak out new things about how valuable you are, your life and purpose that he has given you. He's going to unfold things to you, like what Nathan taught about from Paul teaching the church in Corinth, was that we have been given a spirit of God in us. Who knows the mind of man but his spirit? But we can know the mind and heart of God because we have his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ in us because of our faith in Jesus. And recognizing that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and God's just waiting for us to cue into him that then we're going to come to know him in newer and deeper, more intimate ways every day. Do you feel like you already know God to the completeness of knowing God is possible? <laughs> Do you think you got him all figured out? You've read through the Bible in a year. <laughs> You've read through it in many years. And just say, yeah, I think I pretty much understand God. Then your God is too small. Because if you and I can figure out the God of all creation, the God of universe that he's not the God who is described here. 
This God's ways are beyond our ways. His thoughts are beyond our thoughts. When I recognize I have a thought, I'm like, oh, if I carry on with this thought, it could lead me into sin and into doing something evil. I'm like, ooh, God, you already know I'm already thinking this way. Like, he already knows our thoughts before we formulate them. So when we come to him and invite his spirit to live through us, then God can introduce himself in a whole new way to you. The scary thing is, if we set God aside and think we know it all, and we're going to live by our self-directed life, rather than enhancing and helping ourselves, we actually become self-destructive. Because we are not our own creator. And we're going to spiral and crash and burn so quickly. So living out this new covenant involves engaging our new heart, allows God to teach us more about who he is so we can know him better. And then we can live in the victory that sin has been removed. Sin has been dealt with. We declared that over Easter weekend. That's the truth and the teaching of Jesus. We spoke it out this morning again that sin has been dealt with by Jesus Christ at the cross. The best way I find to live out that truth and victory over sin every day is to walk with God every day. Because if I walk with him, then he's the one who's going to walk me through the temptation of sin that's in my day. I have temptations for sin every day. Every one of us does. But no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Who said it? Paul, the guy whose life was transformed. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Read more about the life of Christ, the life of Paul and how he was transformed by Jesus Christ. I encourage you, church, as you walk this new covenant out, know that it's about relationship. Pursue relationship. And as you pursue relationship, reach out for God's hand every day and listen for his heart. Let me finish with these closing thoughts or maybe closing questions more realistically. How is your heart today? Your heart, is it soft? Is it tender? Is it in relationship with God? If you've never given your heart to God, in other words, taking a step of faith to say, I invite Jesus to be my savior. Today's the day. You wanna walk out this new relationship that God provided Today's the day to start that. But if you've been walking out this relationship and it just seems like that was the old covenant, aren't we just replacing the old covenant with a new, whole new system and whole new process of things? No. God is a God of systems, but before all systems, he's a God of relationship. He wants to be in relationship with you. There's an enemy that does not want you to pursue that relationship. Because when you do, you will feel the presence and the power and the anointing of God, you'll become a force that is hard to stop. And that enemy knows that. But God wants to be in relationship with you. That's why he desires you to give him your heart, your faith, the core of your being. Think about relationships you're in with a variety of different people. Which of your relationships in life would you say that you know that person the best? Out of everybody thinking them through, is it, is it your spouse? Is it one of your kids that you know the best? Which one would rise to the top as a relationship that you know the best? If your response isn't, well, I know God the best. <laughs> I spend the most time with God. Uh, I just feel this intimacy. Then I want to encourage you to pursue God daily. 
Because when you seek him and his kingdom first, when you pursue him as your creator and father, all those other relationships, they're gonna go a whole lot better than if you tried to pursue them and make them number one. Pursue relationship with God every day. Now again, as I highlight that, it's not like, okay, I gotta get up and I gotta do this and I gotta do that and I gotta do this to be spiritual and holy. That was old covenant. What we get up and get to pursue in new covenant is we get up, wake up and, and sometimes I think about God and I think, oh Lord, I haven't even brushed my teeth yet, but I'm talking to you and I don't know if you can smell my breath, but it's early this morning. And I want to do life with you today. Before I put my feet on the floor, <laughs> before I look at the clock, before I think through yesterday and what I got to face today, I want to do life with you, God, because that's why you sent Jesus to make it all real for me. Paul, as he finished, he said these words, not that I have already obtained all that I've just been talking about or already been made perfect, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain forward toward what is ahead. I press on forward to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's life was transformed. Is your life transformed in such a way that every day you're excited to, to live it out with God? I don't know how the Holy Spirit's landing on you and what he's speaking to you in this moment but I would encourage you, don't ignore it. If when I said the word heart, your heart just kind of went like this, don't ignore that. If when I said the word relationship and you were like, I don't know if I could trust God to lead me in my relationship, don't ignore that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. If he brought something back to mind about sin and you're just like, no, 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 no. And I don't want to admit that sin because if I do, then I'll have to deal with it. Sin's been dealt with for you. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that today.